All right, guys. Well, you guys can have a seat. So glad you guys are here um, and uh, ready to jump into this. We are not going to be in 1 Corinthians this morning. We're actually going to be talking about what a lot of our kids have been talking about uh, in the back. So last month, the kids were talking about consistency. And uh, I want to show you guys how things are not consistent. And we want to talk about that this morning uh, because that's the way life is. But first, let me show you a few pictures. I want to show you how things have changed for some people. So I want to show you this first picture, and I want you guys to figure out, do y'all know who this is? Anybody want to take a guess? It's a member at Outpost. You can yell it out if you know who it is. That's, no, that's not me. I had better parents than that. This is actually Kate Monfelt. Hey, all right. Okay, I'll give you another chance. How about this person right here? Anybody know who that is? It's Zach. Zach Adams in the back. Hey, he's changed. Praise the Lord. Anybody know who this is? Is it? Sydney Gunn? It is Sydney Gunn. So it's funny as I said, hey, I need a picture of like when you're young and now. So she went and hired a professional photographer to go get the now picture. So it's really weird. I'm like, hey, it's just a real quick photo. No big deal. All right. Um, Ooh, anybody know who this is? If you're related to them, you cannot yell this out. That's Annika. Yeah, good job. All right, how about this person right here? Who's that stud? It says it on the name tag. It's me, yeah, awesome. Uh, I was not in the military, just to be clear. I went to military school and then I got kicked out and that's what I do now. Uh, All right, next picture. Anybody know who that is? Wild guess. That's Bonnie. Hey, awesome, good job. One more picture. Who's that right there? What? Olivia. Is that Olivia? It is Olivia. Oh, no. Olivia's embarrassed now. She's like, oh, my goodness. Well, awesome. Well, hey, so today I want to talk about how things change, but I want to talk to you also about how there are certain things that don't change. And so this service right now is a little different. It's changed. We've got the kids in. They're with us. There's laughter and giggling. Total little distraction, but we're so glad they're here. In this world, uh, things are constantly changing. Fads come and fads go, right? Some of you, we go back and look at your pictures when you were in high school, and you're like, praise the Lord, fads change. Relationships starting in the world changes like Wyoming weather. Uh, The only thing consistent about our our world is its constant inconsistency. People never stay the same, for better or for worse. Countries divide, regimes change. Jobs disappear, churches plant, churches close. We can't imagine a car that'll never break down, a body that'll never fail, a life that never ends. Our understanding and expectation is that things will change. The thought of eternal things, heavenly things, is impossible, uh, impossible for people like us because we imagine that everything has to change. James 4.14 says this, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Is that true? The day that you graced the world with your beautiful presence started a ticking time clock for the day that you are going to exit this world. And sure, you will maybe make an impact. Many of us maybe will not make an impact. Because at the end of the day, we'll be forgotten in two generations. Isaiah 40, verses 6 through 8 say this. A voice says, cry. And I say, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows on it. 
Surely the people are grass. We are like grass that is here for a season and it's gone the next, right? And like Wyoming, sometimes that season's way shorter than we'd like it to be. But so in this world that's truly inconsistent, what is consistent? What never changes? What never has to change its plans? What never regrets a decision it's made? What never grows up and never fades away? Well, verse 8 tells us, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. God is the only truly consistent being in the cosmos. He's never had a change, and it's by looking at him and seeing his consistent nature, his consistent plans, his consistent purposes, and his consistency in salvation that all of us can consistently grow in the fruit of love and joy and peace and righteousness in our lives, all right? So today we're going to take a look at God's consistency, and this is the easiest and most fun message I've gotten to write since being a pastor at Outpost, because I'm not talking about you and all of your stuff. I get to talk about the God. And even though our God is complex and big, when we're talking about God, it can kind of get pretty simple. And so I'm super excited. So let's jump in. We're going to first talk about God's nature and how God naturally is consistent. Now, it's eye-opening to live in the gap between two generations, all right? Some of you become parents, and uh, you now have children, and you look at those children, and your mom is suddenly called grandma. It's a weird transition. I'm now living in that transition and seeing my mom call grandma. More often than not, now I call her grandma. And it's weird because for my whole life, she's been mom. But to my kids, she's grandma. And so now I'm seeing things in my kids and you're seeing things in your kids that your parents saw in you. It's weird, right? And you're seeing things in your parents that you saw in your grandparents. The transition is strange. And so for thousands of years, imagine this. God has seen generation after generation come and go, transition from one family to the next, all right? And, but here's the thing is, God has never grown and changed. He's never stand, stood in the gap between generations. He has just existed. Malachi 3.6 says this, for I, the Lord, do not change. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. We sang about that in the first song, which is amazing. God never grows. He never adapts. He never changes. God never went through puberty. He never got the pimples. He never learned the lessons. He knew all the lessons. He is, by nature, unchanging. But don't misunderstand, guys. He's not like your dad or that friend you got who's stubborn. It's not a stubborn unchanging. Our God, he is holy and his holiness is perfect. His power is limitless. His intelligence is never ending. There isn't a hair on your head that he does not know the number of. And there's not a grass blade on the planet that he doesn't know the length of. He knows all things. He's perfect in every way. His goodness his love, his peace, his grace, his holiness are all pure and perfect. They've never had to change. They never had to grow. If I gave you all the time in the world to process that information, to think about it, when you get to the end, you would probably say the same thing that Billy Graham said when he got to the end of his life. He said, when he was asked, 
do you feel like you have arrived? He said, I feel like I'm standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon, looking out at all there is to know about God, and I've only just begun. Because our God is far more infinite and perfect than we can ever imagine. And his nature is never changing, which is uh, absolutely amazing. So because God's nature is consistent, because he's limitless in all things, God's plans and his purposes are also consistent. Recently, I was listening to something called the Church Leaders Podcast. If you have not listened to that, you should go find it. You should listen to it. It's got a wealth of information on it. But as I was listening to it, they were introducing the guest. And when they're introducing him, they're talking about where he went to college, what kind of work he did, and then how he ended up working in a church. And what this man said, I thought was gold. He said, "Um, if you would have asked me where I thought I would be in five years, I would have been wrong 25 years in a row. Anybody else? Same thing? Are you where you thought you would be five, year, from five years ago? No. All of us are like, man, it's a lot different than I imagined, which is a good thing. The fact is, plans change. It's the reason why we have phrases like plan B, or the best plan is a backup plan, or have you ever heard, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the face, right? Everybody's got a plan, but our plans have to change. But God never has to change his plans. Think about that. He never has to change the plans. Typically, when we make plans, we're doing the best we can with what we have, with the information we have. But God has all the information. He has all the variables. He knows exactly how it's going to go down. So when God makes a plan that fits with his purpose, he doesn't have to change it because he knows exactly what's going to happen which is absolutely amazing. Because rain will change our wedding venue plans, right? Failed crops will change our grocery budget. A lower market will change your retirement dates. Things change and so our plans have to change, but God never has to. Numbers 23, 19 says this, God is not man that he should, or he's not man that he should lie or the son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? I love that. You hear men sometimes say, hey, my word is gold, all right? Take it to the bank. When I say it's going to happen, it's going to happen. No, it's not. You're a man. COVID happens and you're like, oh, well, I I mean, it was an epidemic. I couldn't plan for it. It's like, yeah, because you're a man. But God knows. Psalm 89, 34 says, I will not violate my covenant or alter the word that went from my lips. When I look back at my 31 years of existence, a short existence, I have made plans that I've had to change. I've had to go back on my word. Circumstances that have hit me that made me change my plans. So whether it's because of sin or whether it's because of circumstances, just like you, I've had to change my plans. But also when I look back over my 31 years of existence, I also have things that I regret. Does anybody in this room, if you think about your life, is there anything you regret? Maybe one or two things? Somebody, you should be like, you should be screaming yes, absolutely. There's a lot of things that you probably regret in your life. And if you could go back, you would change them. But what's, so one of the things for me actually uh, would probably be the 17,000 shares of Dogecoin I had a few months ago. Why did I sell those? I have no idea. 
Some of you have no idea what that is. Welcome, Cody, friends. There's this thing. It's cryptocurrency. I'm not going to explain it. Okay, moving on, because um, everybody just got confused. The reality is I probably would have made some money, and that stinks, um, But because things change. Markets go up. Markets go down. But the reality is God never has to change, and God never has regrets. Listen to this. Friends, if you're a follower of Jesus or you're trying to figure this thing out, kids, listen. God has never regretted a decision that he's made. There have been times in my life because of the decisions I've made that I thought that God regretted saving me or that he regretted making me. But then I read 1 Samuel 15, verse 29, and it reassures me. It says, And also the glory of Israel will not lie or have regret, for he is not a man that he should have regret. Think about that. God has never regretted. Unlike us, God never regrets anything that he does. And he doesn't have to regret because he knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew exactly what you were going to do. He knew exactly what you were going to look like, what you were going to smell like, how many hairs you would have or not have on your head. He knew everything. So before I move on to God's salvation and how that is consistent, let me read to you this verse, a few verses, and I want you to just think about it because it is so good. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Verse 4. Even as he chose us before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. Before the foundation of the world, God had a plan to save you. And there's not been a moment that God has regretted that plan, changed that plan, went back on that plan. He has stuck to it for thousands of years, for hundreds of generations, so that you in 2021 on this day could have confidence that God is still committed to what he's going to do in your life. Is that not amazing? That's awesome. Most of your anxiety would go away if you sat and thought about that truth right there. That before light came into the world, before the world had any form, before sin, God had already chosen to save you. And he's never regretted it for a millisecond. Praise God. That's awesome. So let's talk about how God's salvation has been consistent. That kicks it off well, because sin is terrible. Anybody agree? Sin is terrible. I wish it was not part of my life, but alas, I am a sinner. I'll be the first to admit it. I am a sinner. Okay? And if I had to switch places with Adam before the fall, I would have done the same thing as Adam. And I know this because I've lived with myself for 31 years. And the reality is all of us would have done the same thing as Adam. We would have turned from God. But praise be to God that our sin and my sin can be dealt with because God loves us. Like I already said, he loved me and he made a plan to save me before I even knew I was a me. Think about that which is awesome. So I want to look at how God's salvation is consistent. And to see that, you've got to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 at the fall. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God sends out a signal throughout the whole world that he's going to do something about this huge mistake that we have made. Genesis 3.15 says this. It's on the screen. And I will put enmity 
between you, talking about the snake, Satan, and the woman, and between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Who's this talking about? This is the first place in the Bible where unanimously all theologians, not all, most theologians agree, this is a nod towards Jesus. In Genesis 3:15, God is pointing out what Jesus would eventually do when he gets on the cross, when he would stomp Satan's face in. And even though the poison of sin would be on Jesus, he would crush Satan's power. Praise God. So Genesis 3:15. Now, does that mean that God's salvation has been consistent? Well, a little over a year and a half ago, I was sitting in a coffee shop called Summer Moon in Frisco, Texas, with a group of men. And we're sitting there, and one of the guys at the table, who is a brilliant guy, I love him, he said, isn't salvation in the Old Testament by works and in the New Testament by grace through faith? And wouldn't that mean that salvation, God's salvation has changed? His plan has changed? That's a good question. And I bet some of you have had the same question. Well, the answer to that question takes us all the way back to Genesis in chapter 12. Let me read to you about a man named Abraham. All right. Kids, have you ever heard of a man named Abraham? He had many, he had many sons, right? Okay. Well, awesome. Let me look at this with you. It says this in chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, who is Abraham? Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Here's what you need to know about Abraham if he's new to you. Abraham was a very old man married to a very old woman, and they did not have kids. So this God makes them this huge commitment. I'm going to make you into a great nation. If you are 90 years old and you hear that you're going to be made into a great nation and you have no kids, you are thinking, that's crazy. That's a big commitment. But he doesn't just commit to that. He commits to three things. That he's going to give him land, which means belonging, and that's important. Listen. He says, I'm going to give you land, belonging. I'm going to give you seed, which is children, which is amazing. He's like, well, there's no way. My wife is old. She's barren. We're not going to have kids. He's like, no, I'm going to make you an amazing nation. And number three is, I, the Lord, will bless you. What's amazing about this, he says, I'm not just going to bless you and your people. Through you and your people, I'm going to bless all people. Huge commitment that God makes. And then we get the most important verse in the entire Old Testament. Listen to me. Write this down and memorize it. This is the most important verse in the whole Old Testament. Genesis 15, 6. What is Abraham's response? It says it here. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Let me read it again. And he, Abraham, believed the Lord, and he, God, counted it to Abraham as righteousness. Now, what does that mean? Outpost Community Church, you need to hear this right now. You want to understand what this means, you have to go to Romans chapter 4. It's the best explanation. I don't want to just make something up. I want scripture to show you what this means. Check this out. Verse 1 of chapter 4 
of Romans. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? This is a Jew talking. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as due. If you work at Walmart and they pay you $10 an hour and you work five hours, you get what? 50 bucks. Good job. All my engineers answered and my accountants. That's amazing. Verse five. That's what you get. That's what you deserve. Is it a gift that Walmart gives you? No. Walmart's not giving out $50 gifts. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Okay, do you hear what this is saying? What does it mean to be counted as righteousness? Let me explain that to you. David explains it in his psalm. By the way, David is from the Old Testament. His psalms are in the Old Testament. But David explains what does it mean to be counted as righteous. Check this out. Man, I hope you listen to this. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from his work. So this is what it looks like. David says, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Now here comes some really important verses. Do not miss this. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteous, righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after circumcision in the law? It was not after but before. So what does this mean? The Jews thought that Abraham was considered righteous because he was an obedient, faithful person. But the reality is, before the law came and before any signs of belonging to the Lord, external signs, he was counted as righteous. You understand this? Listen, before the law, before there was a law to obey, right? All of our culture and many of you, you live a legalistic lifestyle. You think, if I do these things, I'll be okay. If I do these things, I will be forgiven. Abraham didn't even know what those things were to do, and yet he said he was counted as righteous. So, here's the question. Has God's salvation been by belief, by faith in him, from beginning to end? What is the answer? The answer is yes. Praise be to God. Salvation has been by grace through faith in God from the very beginning today. So, when Peter's teaching in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 3, and he says these words to the Jews, he gets to affirm that salvation has been by grace through faith from Abraham to the first century Jew to the 21st century Jew. But even beyond that, check this out, verse 4 of chapter 3 of Acts. And all the prophets have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days. What he means by that is Abraham and all the prophets were looking forward in faith in God to what God would eventually do with a man called the Messiah. 25, you are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your father, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. 
So Jesus, the son of Abraham, son of David, who was a Jew, in him the sins of Abraham have been forgiven because Abraham trusted in God and it was counted to him as righteousness. That's amazing. So then we can read Galatians 3.8 and we can realize because of a promise that God made to an old man with no kids in the middle of nowhere, looking up at the stars, saying, I'm going to bless you and through you I'm going to bless everyone because of what Jesus did. Now we live in that blessing. Friends, God has been consistent. Galatians 3, verse 8, and the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So friends, salvation, the salvation of the Lord has been consistent from the beginning of time to today. And look, you're looking at me right now and you don't get it. From before the foundation of the world, God has done nothing but make decisions that led people into situations, that led people into relationships, that led people to have children, to eventually one day somebody told you about Jesus Christ. He has put together trillions of minute little circumstances because he had one mission and purpose, and that was to save. And he's never regretted the day that he saved you. I don't know about you, but that makes me want to worship God. So that leads me to the next thing. If our God is that consistent, what does that mean for us? Like, what does that mean for right now, today, in Cody? It's Memorial Day weekend. You're going to leave this gymnasium, this echoey gymnasium, with your kids, right? You're going to try not to, like, scream at them and sin against them in some way when you get in the car. Crazy stuff's going to happen. All right? You're going to leave here. Your bank account's not going to be where you want it to be. You're going to have a bad week. You're going to, you're, somebody's going to say something to you. It's going to make you feel bad about yourself. You're going to think, man, see, I'm just not worth anybody's time. Or, you know, you're going to look in the mirror and you're going to feel like, man, I, I'm getting old or I don't look as good or I need to go to the gym. You're going to have all these things that are coming to your life. You're going to be tempted towards alcohol. You're going to be tempted towards things that you should not do and you know you shouldn't do. And so what are you going to do in that moment? Why does this message matter? High school students who are graduating... Why does this matter? It matters because if you fix your eyes on the consistent God of the cosmos, you will be able to be more consistent in love and in your joy and in your righteousness than you could ever be if you attended church services, joined some community group, put on your button down, went on a mission trip, you want to see your life change, look at the unchanging God. It'll change you. So what is it going to change? I think it changes a lot of things, but let's look at four. I think it helps us to be obedient to God's word. I'm so thankful for Isaac who shared that memory verse. We got kids memorizing scripture. Man, I wish I wasn't listening to Tupac and Biggie when I was a kid and I was in church because I memorized the wrong things. Psalm 119, 4 through 6, you have, com- you have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast, consistent in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on your commandments. I love that. Fix your eyes on a God who's giving you a word. Fix your eyes on his commandments and you will not be put to shame. Love that. 
Also, I think you're going to grow consistent in prayer. Colossians 4.2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. You know why it says watchful? I actually, this is crazy. I don't know why I'm telling you this. Let me tell you this. Listen, this is weird. This is one of those God moments where it only makes sense to me, and I'm about to explain it to you, and you're like, man, I still don't get it. I, w- I memorized this verse, and I was like, what does it mean to be watchful? Like, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And I was like, does that mean I'm like, okay, I need to pray, but with my eyes open? You know, like, just keep my eyes open and watch around? What does that mean? Well, it wasn't until I was doing a devotional, and I've been doing this right now. It's called uh, Freedom Starts Today. And I was doing this devotional, and he explained what it meant. And finally, after a year of, like, like trying to figure out what this means, um, God showed me, and it just really showed me that God was right there with me. What it means is, I'm going to continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful for the ways that God answers it. Does that make sense? With thanksgiving, with thankfulness. Because our God is the God who answers prayers. Then we can also be conf- uh, steadfast in ministry. Man, some of you of us, right, we've been in and out of ministry. We have seasons where we're apart, seasons where we're not. But we can be steadfast with God. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says this, Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Hey, guys, serving the Lord. And I don't, when I say serving in ministry, I don't mean in kids' ministry or front lines or on the worship team or as a community group leader. Serving in ministry is a lifestyle. It's not a ministry location. It's a lifestyle. And I don't know about you, but living a lifestyle of ministry is really hard if you really want to do it. It's easier to sign up for a kids program. It's easier to sign up to be in the worship team. It's easier to go to be on the front lines and be like, uh, check that box. I'm a good Christian. But to leave this building and go out and say, I'm, on, I'm doing ministry right now. When I'm at the grocery store, I'm doing ministry right now. When I'm getting coffee, I'm doing ministry right now. When I'm disciplining my children, I'm doing ministry right now. I'm always doing ministry. It's hard to be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Anybody want to say Amen. Yeah, it's hard. But when you look to the unchanging, consistent God, it's a whole lot easier. And lastly, and Chad, you can come on. We'll sing right after this one. This is so great. Looking at the consistent God of the cosmos helps us to worship him consistently. Amen. Amen. Psalm 89.1, I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. Friends, kids, I love you. You're awesome. I don't love you consistently, um, and you don't love me consistently, and you should repent of that and apologize to me. (laughs) But the reality is we have a God who loves us consistently. He's never repented of it. He's never had to change it. So as you leave here, don't leave here thinking about outpost. Don't leave here thinking about my message. Did I say it well? Did I not say it well? When you leave today, Think only about our consistent God. That's it. When you leave here and you get lunch, remind somebody, hey, God has consistently loved you. And he's never regretted that. He loves you, brother. He loves you, sister. So let's be the kind of church that when we leave the gathering of the saints, we're thinking about God because he's so good. Let me pray. And why don't you guys stand with me so we can sing together. Praise him. Father, thank you so much. 
for loving every one of the scallywags in this room. God, thank you for continuing to consistently bless us with children. For my moms in the room who do not have children, who've been praying for years, I pray that you would remind them that you love them. And your plan to have them prosper and grow and to be more loved and have peace and joy is consistent, whether they have children or not. For my friends in the room who are living in a lot of hurt because of a loss of a loved one, I pray that they would see you're consistent. You love them. You're there. Your plans are sure. You don't make mistakes. You've got all the variables. I pray that your church right now in this room, that we would be repentant. That we would worship you in the greatest form of worship, repentance. Knowing that you will consistently love us, whether we acknowledge our sin or not. So may we be, have the freedom to just be honest, that we are sinners, that we make mistakes. God, help us to be consistent in our growth towards you from one degree of glory to the next. And may you be consistently glorified in Cody, Wyoming, in the Bighorn Basin, in the state of Wyoming, and beyond. And I pray that consistently in the name of Jesus. Amen.